Happy to be here with you again this morning. Uh, as I said last week, Pastor Joshua is on his uh, sabbatical, um, but he is able to join us this morning, so you can give him a hug and say hi. Just don't uh, ask him to do pastoral duties so that he can continue uh, and enjoy his rest. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Uh, I've purposely not given slides this week. Uh, it's a longer psalm, and it can't all fit on one screen. Um, but what I wanted to do was to encourage you even more than I normally do to have your eyes on the text for yourself. Uh, we're not going to jump into other passages. I'm going to reference a few. Um, but look at what the psalm says. See it with your own eyes. Follow along in your Bible with me. Uh, if for some reason you didn't bring one, there's Bibles in the back. You're welcome to go grab those now so that you have something to follow along with me in. While you turn to Psalm 18, I want to give you a brief overview and kind of tell you the primary theme that we're going to see in this psalm. Uh, this psalm is longer. It's, it's the first in the collection of psalms that is um, much longer. Uh, the first 17 psalms that are in the collection of psalms are quite a bit shorter than this one. Uh, so we've got a lot to dig into. This psalm is based upon David's battles with Saul, with Absalom, his son, and the many armies that David had to conquer as the king of Israel. It is either quoted from or it was written before and Second Samuel quoted from the psalm. Uh, in fact, in Second Samuel 22, this psalm is written nearly word for word. The nice thing is that gives us some insight into what David was writing the psalm about, the, the history before that, uh, and what he's referring to when we dig into it. We don't know which was written first, the psalm or Samuel, so um, there's some you know, guessing there, um, but it's neat to see it both so clearly in those texts. The themes or the foundation for this psalm is God as our rock. It's a very fitting theme since many times as David was pursued by his enemies, he was hiding in the rocks. He was hiding in the caves made by the rocks. Uh, and that's where God had protected him from his enemies. Uh, if you were here last week, you'll recall that I said David had fled many times from the threat of his enemies. As I had stated last week, it's not sinful to flee from real physical threats, uh, as many times God has ordained that the fleeing is the way that we are rescued. However, uh, as a reminder, our faith cannot be in the fleeing. It cannot be in the rocks. It must always remain rooted in God. We're going to see this rock theme four different times in the psalm, uh, twice in the first few verses. It says, the Lord is my rock and my God my rock. And then later, verse 31 and 46, uh, it says, Who is a rock except our God? And the Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. With that, let's uh, read the entire psalm before we jump in. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. 
From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified you show yourself pure, and with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The way of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock? Except our God. The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless, He has made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. 
The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies, yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows his steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. So as I said, we have a long psalm to dig into this morning. Uh, with the help of uh, Spurgeon and his Treasuries of David, I've um, used uh, five main points for our sermon time. So if you're a note taker, I'll list those out for you now. Uh, first, we're going to look at the preface to praise God. That's verses 1 through 3. Then we're going to look at delivering mercy, verses 4 through 19. Then the joyful singer, verses 20 through 24. Then God has delivered, verses 29 through 45. And finally, the glorious triumphs of the Messiah, verses 46 through 50. Let me pray, and then we will dig in. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your son, and for our salvation. As we consider these words that David wrote, this this song that he wrote, praising you for the many victories that you provided, praising you as his rock, as his refuge, his strength, his support. Let us think deeply about the things in our life that are warring against us. Let us consider your strength, your power, your provision, your majesty. Remove from us any spirit of fear. Remind us of the God we love who's already rescued us from sin and death. And let it stir our hearts to courage and joy in any and all circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point, the the preface to praise God, uh, verses 1 through 3. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. David begins this psalm with praising the Lord. It's it's a song, of course, so there's going to be some praise somewhere, but I like how he introduces this time by, by like a real deep, heartfelt worship. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. He begins with this declaration of love, and then afterwards he declares many things that he credits solely to God. God is his strength, his rock, his fortress, his deliverer, his God, his rock again, his refuge, his shield, the horn of his salvation, and his stronghold. As we consider those attributes, the words that David used, we've got to understand that the the things that they apply to are to war, to battle, to danger. David was pursued heavily by many enemies, including Saul and including his own son. After these attributes are applied to God, David says he will call upon the Lord who is worthy of his praise, and he is saved from those enemies. David's reminding himself 
of the safety that he has in God, the strength that his God has, that he will be protected. And then he's remembering all the times that God was faithful in doing so. He says, I will call upon my Lord and I will be saved. Church, do you praise God when your enemies are pursuing you? Do you remind your soul that God is your refuge, your rock, your fortress, your stronghold? Do you believe that God will deliver you so much so that you know, I just need to call out to him, as David said? Let me add one more thing. Well, I'm sorry, I skipped a part there. Let me back up. Perhaps I should ask you this. Can you look back on your life as David did in this psalm? Can you consider the many dangers you faced? Consider the many calamities and enemies you've warred against? Can you look back and say, God is my deliverer? Can you look back and see how faithful God has been to protect and carry you all this time? Let me add one more thing for your consideration before we move to our next point. Are you ever tempted to think that it was you who did the rescuing? Now, perhaps you trust God as your rescuer, but, but you're tempted to think your successes have somehow come from your own hand. And see David's example in our text and be reminded, church, that you can do nothing apart from God. David swung his sword in battle. David's legs carried him to the safety of the rocks and the hills. David saw the escape options when his enemies pursued. He chose which one to take. He carried out the battle plans when his armies attacked others. However, he declares that all his victories, all his safety, all his protection was God's doing, and he praises God for it. If you have believed that it is your hard work that's caused your maturity, your righteousness, then I would lovingly say you're not as mature as you think you are. You're not as righteous as you think you are. For it was not you, but it was God in you, if you were having true maturity at all. This should be humbling, church. It, it, first and foremost, it should cause us to praise God, to praise him for all that he has done in and through us, as David does here in this psalm. But it should also remind us not to become too haughty in our own eyes, too proud of the things that we've accomplished. Apart from God, we can do nothing. I could spend the entire sermon in these few verses. Uh, I'd, I'd contemplated doing that. I'll just take this first little section of praise, and that's what I'll preach on. Um, but as I went on, there's just so many amazing things in the entire psalm. I wanted to try and cover it all. So again, lots to dig into, and these points will be rather short. As David wrapped up this portion of the psalm, I hope you, Christian, will also remember to call out to the Lord and to trust him for your salvation. Point two, delivering mercy. Through this larger section, I'm going to read and uh, kind of pause periodically instead of read the whole thing and then unpack it. So uh, as you're following me along in your Bible, um, just know that some of the words you start hearing aren't the passage. That's because I'm explaining it a little bit before we move on. Psalm 18, verses 4 through 19. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. David's writing about a very real danger that he faced. This is not um, metaphorical danger. It was so bad that he declares the cords of hell or Sheol entangled him. He felt like he was 
at death's doorstep, ready to be drugged down to the pit. The enemy, both physical and spiritual, was in full pursuit, and many times David was on the very edge of death from their attacks. Surely this is not just Saul or David's son Absalom that he's referring to. It was not just the enemies of the other cities that David conquered while setting up his kingdom. Church, don't forget that God declared that one of David's offspring would sit on the throne forever. So remember that Satan and his demons were surely in pursuit of David all of his life, trying in any way they could to disrupt the plan of God as if that were even possible. Verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. What a sweet reminder, church. Our cries reach the ears of our Lord. Even in distress, even with all the other noise attempting to drown out our cry, God hears his people. Notice also the reality that God is far above the things of this world. The cry had to reach to his heavenly temple. That's, that's all imagery to tell you something. It hints at the authority and the power of God. Verse 7. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he, God, was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Before we consider the blessings of God's action here to David, just consider the power of our God. The earth reeled and rocked. Its very foundations shook. The mountains trembled and quaked because God was angry. It didn't say that God took action. It didn't say that God shook the earth. It said the earth responded to the anger of the Lord, just his anger. It shook in terror because its creator was angry. That is the God that we serve, church. That is the power of our God Most High. The fire from his mouth was so hot that it came out as glowing coals. I I figured this might be a good reference for Father's Day. Maybe some of you men will be barbecuing and heating up the coals later on the smoker. How, How long does it take for those coals to all become glowing red and hot? Not a slow process. Unless, of course, you use the the propane tank and sheet like I do, and you really get in there and get after it. But what kind of heat does it take to make those things that red, to bring them to that heat? And all it takes is the anger of God, and he opens his mouth. And glowing red coals come forth. It was instant from the wrathful, fiery breath of our God. In his anger, God bowed the heavens and condescended to man. 
Just again, showing you the difference in, in the might, in the strength, in the power. He came in thick thunderclouds. When the, when the passage is talking about the darkness around him and the canopy and the thick clouds of water, it wasn't that long ago we had some pretty cool thunder showers here, right? Awesome lightning lighting up the sky. Well, that's what David is picturing. He's, it's what he's giving you imagery of. God came down in this thick thundercloud like this. It was dark all around him. And then what's really neat, David brings this contrast. He says, God's surrounded by these dark thunderclouds. They're all around him. But the brightness before him, out of the brightness before him, comes coals and fire, and they broke through his clouds. I thought you said he was surrounded in darkness. I thought you said he came down with like darkness under his feet all around him. Even the darkness is not dark to our Lord. God sent forth his arrows, and he scattered David's enemies. God flashed out lightning and destroyed David's enemies. And if that was not a grand enough display of the power of God, the blast of the breath from his nostrils was so great that it caused the channels of the sea to move, revealing the dirt at the bottom of them. Oh, how greatly terrifying is the powerful wrath and anger of our God. How great his rebuke will be. Verse 16. He sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. See God as the conquering rescuer. The enemies were too great for David. He says it very clearly. But God has no equal. There is no match. It's not even close. It wouldn't be a fun game to watch. It would be a blowout. Our Lord has no equal. Nothing close. God exercised his power, his wrath, his rebuke, and authority, effectively rescuing David from the dangers that he faced time and time again. How does a small in stature young man stand before a giant who has caused the entire army of Israel to tremble in fear because God held him up. God guided his stone. David is declaring the truth that his salvation has come from God and from God alone all throughout. Church, if you're tempted to fear at the overwhelming power and size of your enemy, remember God's power, his salvation for those in whom he delights. What a sweet joy this brought to David as he considered all the mighty works of God on his behalf, which leads us to our next point, point three, the joyful singer. Verses 20 through 28. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. 
For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Now, if you've read any of David's life in the scriptures, you know full well that David was not perfect, right? He's not declaring himself to be so here in this psalm. He's saying in regards to his enemies, he was above reproach. In regards to his heart, he was a man after God's own heart. This, again, was all attributed to God. David was humble because God made him humble. David was righteous and obeyed God's law because God made him righteous and caused him to walk in God's own statutes, the same way God declares he does for all of those whom he saves. David was merciful. There were at least two very clear times recorded in Scripture where David literally had Saul's life in his hands, and yet David refused to kill the Lord's anointed king. David was blameless in regard to his enemies. He did not attack those whom he was not to attack. He did not falsely judge those whom he destroyed. These things were not done for David's own fame or glory. I wanted to uh, circle back to a little section here in this part that we're reading right now and, and maybe bring out some things that I hope are kind of practical for you. Verse 25 through 27. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. As humans, I find oftentimes that if we express mercy, if we show that we are merciful, it's because we know the mercy that has been shown to us. Mercy is not typically something that comes out of nowhere. It's something that you learn. It's the state of a humble-hearted man or woman. David is oddly humble when we consider all that he did, even as a young man. David was humble because he knew that all he had and all he did All he accomplished was from the Lord. God is merciful to those who show mercy. To those who are blameless, we see the blamelessness of God. When God gives us a new heart, when he saves us, when he gives us the righteousness of Christ, when we are covered by Christ, we see God as blameless. We see him as merciful. We see him as pure. All that God does is blameless and pure, and we as believers know how merciful our good God is. But for those who are crooked, for those who remain dead in their sin, for those who have not repented of their sin and entrusted their lives to Christ, God will show himself to be torturous, just as we saw him do to David's enemies in his anger. It is indeed a fearful thing to be in the hands of God when he is angry. Now, considering all of this, let's look at verse 27. For you save a humble people, but haughty eyes you bring down. I want to apply this specifically to Christians. Christian, it is imperative that you exercise humbleness. When we are tempted to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, 
what we are most desperate for in that moment is a humbling. If you look at your brothers and sisters with disdain because they do not do what you think is proper and right, they have not matured as you have, they aren't exercising the things that they know are good and should be doing like you are, then you lack humbleness. God is the one who causes you to obey. God is the one who gives maturity. Indeed, we are all called to obey, to grow, to strive with all of our might in these things, but if not for God, none of us would gain one millimeter of growth in any of these areas. So we must be humble. We must remember that it is all from the Lord, and we have no room to boast except in God and what he has done. And we see David do this all throughout the psalm. It's so important because God saves the humble, but brings down the haughty. David was already given faith in these battles, so it's likely that David's referring to rescuing him from these things. Therefore, Christian, be humble. God saves the humble, but he brings down the haughty. I don't want you, dear brother or sister, to be brought down. See how clearly David declares that it is because of God that he was able to do what he did. Point four, God has delivered. For by you I can run against a troop. Sorry, it's verse 29 if you're following along. And by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way, is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. See David over and over and over again acknowledge that God was the reason he was victorious in these endeavors. He continues to say, you did this, you did this, you did this. God was the salvation from his enemies and the victory against them. It was all because of God. I believe that point is really clear. I think David made it clear enough in the psalm. So we're going to continue and look at a different uh, particular passage here to give some more light. Verse, verse 40 declares this, You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. 
They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Sometimes when you come across a passage like this, it makes you go, ah. But if they, if they cried to the, the proper God, like, why didn't he answer? That seems weird. I, maybe you might even be tempted to think of this in, in the terms of someone who hasn't been given faith, crying out to the Lord. Um, and I think that would be a mistake. What you need to understand is the context of what's happening here. Many times, even those who are enemies of God, when they are in great peril, will cry out to God. Even rightly crying out to the one true God. As David declared in the passage, they cried out to the Lord, Yahweh. God would not give them favor against his children. In fact, it would be insulting to God for an enemy to ask him to help them harm his own. Think about it, fathers. If your child has an enemy, and that enemy comes to you and says, help me, help me attack your child, that would be insulting. You wouldn't just ignore it. It would probably stir some rage within you, right? And this is what happens when these enemies cried out to Yahweh. He didn't listen to them. Their cries fell on deaf ears. He was in the process of destroying them. And he didn't stop, as David declared. David had victory, pounded them to dust. This is why God doesn't answer them, in case you uh, read through that passage again and that stands out to you. They are enemies and aiming to hurt God's own. We should not be surprised that their cries do nothing to help them. I don't think that this would be similar to the dead in sin person crying out for salvation to the Lord from eternal death. I think that would be a different picture. He's not asking for God to do anything to God's people. He's asking for salvation. So don't get those confused. God hears his beloved. He ignores his enemies. Praise God for his salvation. Point five, our last point this morning, the glorious triumphs of the Messiah, verses 46 through 50. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. David begins his psalm with praise, and he ends it in a similar fashion. He starts with praise, he ends with praise. He says, the Lord lives. What sweet words. Three of them, the Lord lives. We do not serve a God who is dead. We do not serve a God who is absent. We do not serve a God who is distant. Our, our God is the living God. Spurgeon said this about those three words, possessing underived, essential, independent, and eternal life. We serve no inanimate, imaginary, or dying God. He alone has immortality. Like loyal subjects, let us cry, live on, O God. Long live the King of Kings. By your immortality do we dedicate ourselves afresh to you. As the Lord our God lives, 
so would we live to him. We serve the one true living God, church. This is our rock. Praise God. When all falls down around you, when the storms of life rage, when the floods come to carry you away, when the enemy is at your doorstep and you are near death, you have a rock like no other in God. I thought about this next part and I wondered how to practically apply it. Uh, Many of us do not have enemies like the ones David faced, uh, at least not the human ones, right? I don't know any of you that are being pursued by an army. Like, just for you, right? It's a little difference. As far as I know, none of us are kings and have a people subdued under us. But if you are, let me know. We can talk about that later. (laughs) All of us do most certainly have real enemies. At one point in our lives, we, before we were saved, were enemies of God. And we were our own worst enemies. We loved sin. That's all that we pursued. It's all that we would serve. We were slaves to it. But God rescued you from the muck and the mire, Christian. God raised you from the dead. He gave you a new heart. He caused you to walk in his ways. He put his spirit within you. God delivered you from the prince of the power of the air, the one whom all mankind at one time or another serves. So trust in God. He is your rock. He is your strength against your enemies. God is the deliverer of vengeance. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. We all have and surely will face enemies. We all have and surely will want vengeance for the wickedness pressed upon us. But as genuine believers, we have been delivered from those enemies and delivered from the crushing desire of vengeance. For we have been saved by God, and our God is the one who dispenses vengeance. We trust in Him. We know that He is just and that His justice will prevail. We praise Him for His salvation and for His deliverance. We now, as believers, as saved saints, we pray for our enemies because we are freed from carrying out only hatred towards them and wanting justice. Knowing that we were once God's enemies, And in his mercy, he placed our judgment upon his son so that he could save us. Notice David's final words in this passage, verse 50. It says, Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. To David and his offspring forever. Well, we know that Jesus came from David's lineage as God had promised that he would. If you haven't seen it already, as we've read through this psalm, all throughout this psalm, there are foreshadows of Christ. Paul quotes verse 49 of this very psalm in Romans, and he applies it to Christ. Spurgeon says this, Paul cites this verse, Romans 15, 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing unto your name. This is clear evidence that David's Lord is here, but David is here too. And it is to be viewed as an example of a holy soul making its boast in God, even in the presence of ungodly men, who are the despisers of God, that we should stop our mouths for them. 
We will sing to our God whether they like it or no, and force upon them the knowledge of his goodness. Too much politeness to traitors may be treason to our king. Hebrews also quotes a verse from the psalm and applies it to Christ. If you were not already considering all of the ways that you can kind of see Christ in this beautiful song, at the end of my sermon, I'm going to read through the psalm again, and I just want you to think about it. So, uh, in conclusion, I, I've told you I had five main points for this sermon. Perhaps you thought, man, that means we're going to be here all morning. Well, praise God, we're not. Um, but, hopefully still, it was a blessing to you. Uh, point one, the, the preface to praise God, verses one through three. David starts by saying, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Clearly, David is praising God with a deep love and thankfulness. Point two, delivering mercy, verses four through 19. The power of God is incredible. His ability to rescue his people from any situation is unmeasurable. It is never too late. It is never too far gone. The darkness is never too dark. Your God can save. Never forget when surrounded by enemies, this is the God that you serve. The God who loved you from before the foundation of the world. Whom do we have to fear, church, but God alone? Point three, the joyful singer, verses 20 through 24. uh, Actually, 20 through 28, sorry. Verse 28 says, For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. David reveals the source of his joy when he declares that it is God who lights his path. When darkness around tries to consume, what joy is found in light that breaks through it? Point four, God has delivered, verses 29 through 45. As David recounts the many ways that God delivered him, we too should look back and we should be encouraged at the many, many ways that God has delivered us. First and foremost, from sin and death, from our enslavement to sin, from the righteous wrath that we deserve for our sin. But even after that, remember all of the small ways. Look, look back in your life, Christian. You have been rescued many, many times. And sing out in praise to him for it. Point five was the glorious triumphs of the Messiah, verses 46 through 50. Christ Jesus is our God who lives. He starts, the, starts verse 46 by our God lives. The Lord is alive. He is no longer dead. He is not in the grave. He is risen. That means we, in Christ, have victory. It's secured. It was finished on the cross. It was proven in the resurrection. And that's what we have as Christians, a glorious victory in our Savior. He is the God of our salvation. He is the anointed one, the offspring of David. Praise God for the finished work of Christ in whom we have the greatest victory of all, the salvation of our souls. God is our rock, church. We have a refuge in our Lord, and there is none who can stop his hand from delivering his people. We have such freedom from the worry of justice towards our enemies or vengeance towards them that we can pray for them. We can ask the Lord to save them, and we can trust God to bring his justice or their salvation. We have so much to praise God for, and we should, as David does, sing our praises to him regularly. 
Christian, even if life is in a dark place for you, even if your circumstances are bleak, if you are feeling down, God is your salvation. He has delivered you from slavery to sin and death, and eternal death at that, so praise him indeed. Fathers, today is a unique day where there's some purposeful celebration of you. Uh, I'm praying for you men today, uh, praising God for the work he's done in you fathers who are good, who are fighting for your family, for your kids, fighting to honor the Lord in all things. I'm praying for you fathers who aren't, you fathers who are absent, struggling, that God would convict you, that he would bring fruit and growth, maturity, for the good of your family, for the good of his people. God has given us a very weighty role as the heads of our home, as the protector, the provider, the shepherd of our family. The battle that we fight is both external and internal. Your children need you to help them fight their sin. They're desperate for you to pick up your sword and go to battle with them. Your children need you to protect them from the sin of the world around them that wants to devour them. Oh, if you think your children aren't under attack, just watch any news channel, even the worst ones, you'll see it. This battle is heavy. Men, you will no doubt many times feel exhausted and weary. You must fight on, trusting that the Lord can and will win these battles for his beloved. And where there are true victories, you praise God for it, as David does. Remember that Christ is sufficient for you. Remember to cry out. Your words reach the ears of your Savior. And fight on. Be lion-hearted and lamb-like. I want to close again, as I said earlier, by reading the psalm. And I just want you to, to think of all of the ways that you see Christ in the words that David wrote as a song. Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked, because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils, and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth his lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. 
He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of the waters, out of the many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified you show yourself pure. And with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is, our rock, who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence, For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. We're so grateful to see your consistent faithful patterns and action to rescue your people. We're so grateful to be able to look back on on the lives that you've given us and consider all the ways that you have saved us. First and foremost, as always, salvation. Salvation in your Son. The removal of your wrath from us placed upon your Son so that we can be hidden in him. But then all the other ways all the small ways, all the bigger ways throughout our life. 
Your hand has been upon us. You are our refuge, our rock. We've weathered many storms and will continue to do so, trusting in you, fully confident that you are able to save. We love you, Lord. It is because of Christ that we can pray. Amen.